Welcome back. Today's podcast is your 10 easy way or your 10 step process to make your listing sell fast. Now, some of you are saying, Tim, all listings sell fast. Well, you might think so, except if you had paid attention to the number of expireds that are now starting to creep back into every real estate market. So I will strongly encourage all of you to actually open your eyes to the fact that the listing opportunity, especially if you're focusing on expired listings, is really swinging back in a meaningful way. Here's your, and this is not one of Julie's points for today, but I'm going to give this to you as a sort of advanced coaching. Log into your MLS, do a search for your entire MLS for expired listings for the last six months. You will be, frankly, shocked how many expired listings there are that are coming up right now. And one of our sponsors is the source that you can go and get all the seller's contact information from, and that is Red X. And the Red X is providing a $150 discount to everybody who is listening to our podcast who clicks the link below. So open up the show notes below, whether you're on Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher, and scroll down and you will see a link to save $150 and join Red X. And Red X is frankly the system that we've always recommended to all of our coaching clients. Julie and I used a very similar system when we sold real estate. And the beauty of it is, is you just turn your computer on in the morning and guess what's there? All the new expireds with all the property information, with all the phone numbers and oftentimes multiple phone numbers for the sellers, making it so that all you have to do is take action on uh, using our conversation outlines, also known as scripts, and calling those folks. And this is one of the quickest, easiest ways. By the way, referral fee-free. Yes, that's yes, a good thing. For you to uh, build a listing inventory which you always need to do. Now, I also want to mention, um, so definitely scroll down and just click the link to uh, join Red X and grab hold of that $150 discount. Now, the meetups that we're planning across the country and we are going to expand to Europe. We've been getting messages actually from folks in Australia and other places. We're definitely going to make this a global event, but um, what you need to do to learn more about the meetups we're doing, these are live in-person events. Just go to harrisrealestatemeetup.com that website's got to have all the explanation that you'll need to understand what these meetups are all about. These are organized by you, hosted by um, you. And if you want to be a host, by the way, it's and many of the major cities have yet to claim uh, someone to claim the host position. There's, I think, 17 of the mm -hmm. 50 we're doing initially. Yeah. So definitely want to log in and hop over to harrisrealestatemeetup.com. And I strongly encourage you to become a host because over time, you will become a very significant influencer in your real estate marketplace amongst other real estate professionals as your meetup starts to grow and expand. Those of you guys who are in EXP Realty, I hope you're thinking about what I'm talking about because it's a fantastic way for you to meet agents. So hop over to harrisrealestatemeetup.com for more information. So Julie, let's talk about why, in addition to the reasons I already said, why this is such a salient topic for today's podcast. Well, there's several reasons, and I've been monitoring a lot of discussion amongst agents, coaching clients, podcast listeners, people posting their questions about this. The fact of the matter is that most agents are not shall we say, uh, serial listers. They don't typically carry five or 10 listings at the same time, especially not always to any fault of their own. We just have lower inventory these days. And some of you still are only listing now and then repeat and referral clients. So the question comes up, okay, I've got a new listing. I'm excited about that. Uh, maybe you competed, maybe you didn't, but you're excited to get this listing on the market. And now you're feeling the pressure to do an amazing job for your sellers who have put their trust in you and are excited about making a move. I remember we used to have listings and we, you know, first you go through the victory, took the listing. That's fantastic. You're all excited, but now we have to sell it. 
So that freaks some agents out from time to time. And by the way, there is a process for doing this. So the seller frankly doesn't want to fire you because if you don't do this process correctly, what's going to happen is the seller is going to frankly, you know, say, well, listen, you told us this price, you told us this, the other thing. Overpromised, underdelivered. Or you didn't necessarily, you know, overpromise. So some of you are going to make that mistake and underdeliver. Some of you just didn't make it clear how the process of selling your home works. And I'll suggest mm-hmm. to you that to Julie's earlier point, that comes from the fact that many of you have been selling real estate in markets where you haven't had to really worry too much about price reductions in a meaningful way. And obviously that's changing. And the earliest indicator that all of you should be watching, as I said a second ago, are definitely the number of expired listings. If Julie and I, we get this question from time mm-hmm. to time, if we are selling real estate again, what are the, you know, what would we do for lead generation? A hundred percent, we would do expired listings and we do centers of influence and past clients. Those would probably be the only real spokes we had to really um, you know, focus on and all the other spokes would be optional, including guess what? Branding, marketing, social media, and the rest of it. So if you're really good at expireds and you're really good at centers of influence and past clients in all markets, you're going to do incredibly well. That's right. So this is 10 easy ways to make your next listing sell ASAP. And some of you, you can apply this to existing listings that haven't sold yet. The fact is that all sellers expect the same things from you, whether they are a repeat client, a referral, relocating executive, a luxury homeowner, or a first-time seller. What they want is the most money for their home in the least amount of time with the fewest hassles and stress to them. So your job is to deliver that. Preparing your next listing so it shows like a model home is your goal. Even if you have little competition from other homes for sale, it is your job and the seller's expectation for you to market, advertise, show, and sell their home in its best light. And the more competition you do have, and all indications are that we are seeing more inventory online week after week. It's been building since the holidays. We are having more competition. It becomes even more critical to show the best versus the other homes to have your listing show the best. So top 10 things, you are going to start by discussing with your seller clients that the way they live in their home when it's for sale is different than how they live in it when it's not for sale. Then you're going to create your checklist based on these action items. And by the way, listeners, this is also known as your listing plan of action. It is part of your pre-listing package. We have largely done this for you. So again, this is training, not coaching. We're just exposing you to the overview. Right. And Julie just looked at me because she wanted me to mention Premier Coaching. But of course, regular listeners, many of you are already Premier Coaching members. But if you're not, understand that Premier Coaching is the next natural step for you. Premier Coaching is truly a, a complete real estate system. It's an A to Z system. And again, to Julie's point a second ago, you are going to be given a pre-listing pack that's already been proven to work in all markets and all market conditions. And also one of the things that you're going to leave with the seller after you take the listing are basically a book of checklists, things that they should be doing now. Julie and I originally created that because after you take a listing, if you don't give the seller things to do, essentially things to worry about that, you know, you're going to give them a checklist of, you know, clean this, do this, action items, right. They're going to worry you. In other words, they're going to call you. They're going to micromanage you. They're not going to know what they're supposed to do. So you got to tell them what to do. Otherwise, they're going to emotionally feel like you abandoned them. Yeah, it's almost anticlimactic, right? So the sign goes in the yard and you had your big meeting and they're getting ready for showings. Well, now what? 
So we're going to give you the overview to this today to get your gears moving. And then, of course, coaching will plug the gaps. There. On, for those of you in Premier Coaching, isn't it called, I don't know. The if listing plan of action. A it's listing part plan of the pre-listing of package. But isn't it also part of the home, uh, complete home selling guide? Yes. Okay, there you go. So <laughs> there you go. So log in, Premier members, and make sure you're utilizing all these tools that we've created for you. By the way, have all this stuff done ahead of time so that when you actually get a listing call, hopefully like right now you're listing this and you're going to get a text that Bob wants you to list his house. That's not the time to prepare for your uh, listing appointment. You want to have all this done ahead of time. Yeah. Our best coaching clients usually have at least 25 pre-listing packs and you know everything ready to go. In other words, they're already sitting on in their office or even better in their uh, car so they can you know be Deliver. incredibly urgent with getting these out. That's how to actually think. Whatever your number of listings that you need to take this year, you need to move ahead on creating your pre-listing pack, your listing plan of action, all these things we talk about in Premier Coaching. If you want to join Premier Coaching, I've got great news for you. You can join now for free. Just scroll down below and click the link to join Premier Coaching. It's in the show description or uh, down below along with our notes for today's podcast, or you can simply go to premiercoaching.com. All right. So how do you prepare your next listing or maybe one that you're sitting on that should have sold already? Number one, buyers make their decision on a home in two places. First, from the street based on curb appeal, and second, in the foyer as soon as they enter the home. Make sure both places shine. It can net your seller thousands or tens of thousands more when you do this right, not to mention a faster sale. So I have three little points here. Number one, landscaping may need to be upgraded, spruced up, remulched, or weeded, or in some of your cases, de-iced, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, next is, does the front door look inviting? So add a wreath, paint it, remove a screen door, or whatever will make it look more like the front door of a Hallmark movie. Add your welcoming doormat, some potted plants on the porch, or a new door knocker, for example. So again, you're talking to a seller. Here's the way to present this without, I mean, you can give them this list, obviously. But, or the list that we have on Premier Coaching, these are just Julie's notes because we're just training today. We're obviously not coaching. But when you're explaining to a seller the importance of really what we're talking about here, first impressions, you need to ask them what their first impression was of the house that, you know, the house that they're in now when they first saw it. And why did they choose to like buy it versus something else? And yeah. you're going to listen to them describe all the little tiny things that made the house something that they were interested in. It might be, as Julie said, the landscaping. Um, you know, in some uh, markets where there's a lot of, you know, colonial, more traditional homes, guess what? A red front door is really inviting and people really love that. You know, again, you adjust accordingly depending on your mm -hmm. market. Landscaping, all these types of front things. Front porch, steps, stuff like that. Lighting and yeah, and making sure they have a clear path to the front door. Emotionally, subconsciously, people are going to make a decision whether they want to buy the house or not. And while they're sitting in the car, assuming they're riding along with you, they don't make the decision after they've gone through the whole entire house. Emotionally, they've already latched on to the house. The house, it, once they've fallen in love with it, frankly, from the street, um, unless there's something really bad on the inside, they're probably not going to yeah. change their mind. And they don't say it like that, but you can feel it when there's an emotional switch that gets flipped. Or the opposite. They may say, mm, I don't know, maybe we don't need to see this one. Well, exactly. So if you've got a seller, you need to explain it both ways. You need to explain, like it or not, you know, right or wrong, people make most of their decisions based on first impressions. So moving on, this is all still point number one about buyers making that decision. First to see it and then to buy it. Next, we have in the foyer, and the goal is to have a bright, spacious feel. No coat trees, no furniture, no clutter. 
Remember, you'll have an agent, one or two buyer clients, and maybe their kids walking in for the showing. It can't feel cluttered or congested. They're imagining having friends over and being proud of their home. See, that point's really difficult, and I'll tell you why. It sounds simple, but it's not. If you have a coat tree and by the front door, let's assume you have three full-sized adults. Right, <laughs> okay. maybe wearing coats and purses, too. Exactly, and maybe there's maybe four, right? Who knows? And if that foyer and the entry to that house feels tight, even if it's not tight, architecturally, it's designed perfectly, and it's large, but there's a table there. There's a place that people put their shoes. There's a coat tree there. Kids backpacks. All this around. garbage there. And what's going to happen is just going to emotionally feel constricting. And that's what you want to remove. Even if you wouldn't live that way, because maybe you want that coat tree. Maybe you want the place to put your shoes or whatever. Mm -hmm. But during a showing, you need to present the house. Again, we're working on the emotional appeal that something has. The curb, they like the house. Looks nice, pretty, well taken care of. Windows clean, landscaping looks great. Walk in, the foyer. Oh my gosh, this feels really good and welcoming. Yeah, it's a make it or break it moment. Okay, number two, similarly, remove excessive furniture so the floor plan makes sense and it's not hard to get around. Again, imagine those three adults wearing their coats and purses, walking through each room. Are they dodging too many chairs and ottomans? That can confuse them. Again, it can feel congested. So we're going to give you a little bonus tip here. One of the things that is on Premier Coaching uh, that we will suggest all of you use is you need to get a basket and uh, put it by the front door. And actually, when Julie and I sold real estate, her dad, after he retired from being a physics teacher, actually uh, started working for us. And he's the one that came up with this idea. So, Noel, credit to you. Yes, that's right. It was a basket. And inside the basket, he had uh, put a bunch of medical shoe, uh, covers, shoe covers. Which shoe you can covers. get on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, you can get them on Amazon. Yep. They don't cost anything. And he'd wrap them up in uh, little rubber bands or bows or whatever. And he put them in a nice basket. And there was a sign on the basket that says, please protect the floors that might someday be yours. Now, I want to, guys, just for a second, I want you to think about that little simple idea. First of all, if you're in most of the country right now, or if you're, you know, half the country during the winter, it's obviously not very, you know, uh, what would we call it? Floor friendly. Exactly. Floor yeah. friendly. So that right there is going to make a big impression. But I want you to think of all the other, we're dealing with a lot of, you know, subconscious thinking here. First of all, when you're trying to win the listing and get the listing in the first place, the very fact that you showed that seller about that basket, and you know nobody else in your marketplace is doing that, um, they're going to see that basket. They're going to immediately respect the fact that you're trying to help them keep their house clean, but they're also going to understand that you're trying to leave an impression upon that uh, potential buyer that even though that house is for sale and the seller's moving on, they still uh, care about the house. You guys get it? Now, the flip side, when the buyer walks in, what impression is that extra little tiny detail, that little Easter egg? What difference is that going to make or what impression is that going to leave on that uh, potential buyer? The seller still loves the house, obviously. You know, the seller actually is trying to, you know, be concerned and considerate of the, the fact that these floors might indeed someday be mine. Yeah, you know? and it's probably in better condition than everything else you're seeing today because we yep. at least take care of the floors, right? Okay, so uh, thank you for that. I had forgotten about it, the It's a cool little listing tool that I remember, it you know, it's- it has one, magic. It, it does. It's had magic. <laughs> so for the right type of seller, when you, we, you know- in our listing presentation, which you guys will get when you join Premier Coaching, there's just a picture of the basket. And, you know, my favorite activity selling real estate, and I, you know, listed home and forever, but was going on these listing appointments. Mm -hmm. And when you showed the little, the sellers, all the little things that made you different, even though this is kind of a nothing thing, sometimes it's the everything thing. And that yeah. very little idea sometimes will be all it takes. Oh, you know what, Julie? I'm so glad. I Look, these carpets we just replaced, or maybe these are, you know, expensive, you know, Persian rugs or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Right. So there's going to be little things that when you follow our system that will result in you winning the listing 
then and otherwise you are you know you're not going to employ this idea you're not going to use a pre-listing pack you're not going to fully pre-qualify the seller you're not going to go through the process of being you know essentially a professional listing agent and you're going to wonder why you didn't take the listing it's because you weren't being a professional listing agent and you probably were competing against one of our coaching clients that did follow our process so don't leave it up to chance guys we've made it very simple for you all you gotta do is plug and play um, and just go to premiercoaching.com all right so speaking about furniture not that that's ever an issue uh, use a home consignment center that's the name of there's a lot of these um, through the south and the west there's a company called home consignment center or a similar store to consign furniture that your sellers maybe don't want anymore or donate to a homeless shelter a military base or a fire station workout equipment pool tables big screen tvs these are all fair game for the decluttering project Dog kennels, cat trees, and things like this can all find good homes through donations or posting online. Remember, they're moving anyway. They need to declutter. So another advanced tip. The sellers aren't necessarily going to see the things that are clutter as clutter because the sellers might be, you know, used to seeing it. Low-grade hoarders, okay? (laughs) So if you have a situation where the house has got, you know, a big collection of plates on the wall and a big beer can collection and 14, you know, mules and a couple donkeys. Don't forget in Texas, all the mounts. Exactly, right. (laughs) All the heads on the walls and all this. Okay. So you've got something that you walk in. Obviously, you're not going to, you know, you don't want to be the uh, home stager. You don't want to be the one telling them to take the pictures and take the mounts and take all the stuff off the walls because they probably won't list it with you if they think you don't like their stuff. Okay. So what's your delicate thing, isn't it? It totally is. And again, that's a lot. I'm a stager. I'm going, the reason you're going to list with me is I'm going to help you stage your house and all the rest of it. What if that in itself is the reason they don't want to list with you? Because they want to, sellers will list with you if they feel like you believe in the house. If they feel you love the house, if they feel you can actually represent the house, if you feel you actually respect what they've done to the house, and even if the things that they're expecting, like you walk up in the bathroom, the husband or the wife is really you know prideful of the tile that's in the bathroom, but you're looking in there, it looks like you know <laughs> there's not a straight piece of tile in the bathroom, but they're really proud of that. I'm not saying what a great tile job is what you should say, but you don't want to say, oh, we got to fix that. Well, you can okay. talk yourself out of the listing. Easily. And that's what a lot of inexperienced you know, agents will do. So one of the things you can do is bring in a a home stager, have a home stager go in there and give the bad news to the seller. And what you can do ahead of time is you can tell the home stager what to tell the seller based on your own observations. And, you know, you can say the home stager, could you please mention the fact that the house smelled funny? Could you mention the fact that, you know, not everybody likes to see the, you know, collection of whatever the hell else you got, right? I mean, so you got to remember that. That's one of the things you can do. So if you walk into a house that has a lot of needs, definitely lean into the idea. Don't be the bad guy. I just lean into the idea I just shared with you. All right. Very well put. And that, that's such a delicate thing because when agents get nervous, they talk and talk and talk. And sometimes they can talk themselves right out of the listing. So next on our how to actually sell the house quickly, number three, have a pet plan. Not everybody loves pets and some of them are allergic or their kids are allergic. Both will ruin an otherwise good showing. Doggy daycare or finding a pet sitter for showings may be a good move. So have an actual pet plan. Point number four. And number four, smells, both identifiable and not are not good for showings. Cat pee, smoke, strong spices from cooking, mustiness, it's all bad. So you have a couple of options on this depending on the degree and what it is. Typically when that's going on, removing carpet, drapery, and furniture that might be emanating those odors is a good move. Again, you can donate things, you can um, take it to home consignment, what have you, but removing things that soak up those odors. Now, 
You also, especially after doing that, if it's still lingering, you can invest in an air ionizer. Again, you can find that on Amazon and run it in between showings to eliminate lingering smells. Add this to your toolkit for any listing with these issues. Now, just let me describe what it is. Yep. It's, if you go to Amazon, it's not very expensive. It's a box. It's probably six inches by maybe 10 inches. And it looks like something that someone made in shop class in like 1982. It's a little machine, basically. Yeah, it's a little machine, but it really, really does work. And it really will remove stink. You might need to run it for like 24 hours to get all this stink out, depending on what you're dealing with. But you want to do that to help prep the house. Now, here's a little, uh, you know, little surprise for all of you. You can also explain to the seller that you're going to loan them your home, you know, de-stinker basically. And that in itself will get you the listing. Again, it's these little things. Yes. And when you add all these little things together, it equals you getting the listing contract signed. If you walk into any part of the house, like if you're in a part of the country or the world really, where there's basements or any kinds of mm. cellars, nobody likes a musty smell. You don't like a musty smell. Run one of the, because must equals mold. So run one of these yeah. little de-stinkers, this home, what is it again? It's a, an air ionizer. Okay. Yeah, run yeah. one of those things. And again, you'll be shocked how frequently, because when you're smelling must and mold, you're actually smelling Real must and mold. They're a little stinky, you it's know. It's not good for you anyway. It's not good for you. And then and they'll know it. So all these little yeah. tiny things are going to make it so that you are going to have an advantage on a listing agent or a competing listing agent who maybe just shows up late wearing their flip flops. Takes a business for no, granted. Pre- exactly. Yeah. Expe- and, as, yeah. Go ahead. Well, sorry. and you mentioned basements. I should have had this as a uh, 0.4 and a half maybe. Um, also dehumidifiers for basements because you can run the ionizer all you want. If it's still actually a wet basement, you're going to have trouble. So that's something to look in as well. And those of you who have vacant listings, make sure that you're stopping in and checking for this kind of odor issue as the house sits. Point number five, get the home pre-inspected. And this is a great point. Thanks for including it, Julie. Yes. Get the home pre-inspected and remedy any items that could wreck the deal later on. Cause you know, we know you love home inspection remedies, <laughs> uh, HVAC plumbing, electric and safety items are the most important. And most home inspectors will do a limited home inspection for less money on all the major mechanicals. And then you can change all the furnace filters, knock the dust off the hot water tank and check for mold in the basement and crawl spaces. You can offer a copy of the inspection along with receipts of any recent repairs when you start showing the home. Mention it in the agent-to-agent comments in the MLS. Now, you can blow up this point depending on what you're dealing with the house. So let's say that the house is older and it has an older roof, and the seller is worried and you're worried that that's going to come up in the home inspection, and we're not really sure what's going on with that. Have a pre-roof inspection, and maybe it just needs a few minor repairs. Then you can say, look, we had the, the roof already looked at. And these three things were fixed. So the roofer said that it's got at least five more years on it. And by the way, if you're in a part of the country that gets hail, even the slightest bit of hail damage will result in a new roof from every homeowner's insurance policy out there. So, you know, ask if there was a hailstorm in the last six months and things like that. And then guess what? That house is going to get a new roof. Um, I do want to add to that point, Julie. Can you explain Mm -hmm. to them how they can put a home warranty on the property uh, to protect the seller? Again, that becomes an advantage to the prospective buyer when they're purchasing the house if there's a home inspection that was done and a home warranty on the house. And again, I want you guys to think about this when you're competing for a listing appointment or competing for a listing and you're explaining to the seller what your plan of action is and you're going through this you know, litany of things and this is just a smidge of what you're going to do to really win the listing every time and you say to them, you're going to have the house pre-inspected and here's why. We don't want to deal with overinflated uh, estimates to repair after the house is a contract. We want to go all these things done ahead of time and show that the work was done. So you're going to show the home warranty, Mr. Seller. You're going to show the inspection and the receipts that the work was done. That will give your house a unfair 
unfair advantage in the marketplace because guess what, listeners? There are going to be a lot of new listings, thank the housing gods, I realize, yeah, in the next right. six months. Yes, very, very well. A lot of competition. And so what you're showing is that you've got the sellers back because we are seeing more secondary negotiations as a result of home inspections now. So you don't want to have to go through that. And you can have a home warranty put on the listing at the time that you list it. And yes, and yes, that means if the furnace is found to be faulty, the home warranty will cover the furnace. If the furnace is, if there's any major mechanical problems, the seller is going to be, I don't think a home warranty costs, I don't know, 400 bucks now? Four to 500, depending. Yeah. So their seller's coverage, if I remember correctly, is less. Yes. And, uh, you know, we have a whole generation of agents who didn't deal with um, home warranties because they were deleted from offers. So a lot of you guys listening have no clue what we're talking about. So talk to your broker or, you know, we use American Home Shield on our rental properties. That's my favorite um, because we used it on our listings. What do they charge per year for that? Um, On rentals, we're paying $35 a month per house. But on a listing, it's usually $425 to $550, depending on the size of the house. Like if you have three HVAC systems, it's going to cost a little bit more. And AHS covers plumbing, electrical, major mechanicals, major mechanicals. not the foundation and not the roof, but right. everything else. Or windows and doors and things like that. Exactly. But the, you know, the stuff that comes out in a home inspection. Okay. So look into that. Point number six, create an amazing home brochure with professional photos. Oh, I know the house is going to sell itself in 32 seconds. And why would you screw around with that? Because you're doing the job for the seller. You're trying to net them more money in less time. And you're supposed to be the professional agent that you presented yourself as uh, during the listing presentation. So yes, create an amazing home brochure. Don't call it a flyer. If you can't personally create these using Canva or another method, find out who the top luxury agents in your market use and consider hiring them. It does matter. This it can a, be the difference. I remember you and I used to compete using that. So yes, we did. And that's exactly what I was about to say. We Again, when we're on a listing appointment and you're competing, which you will be all the time, you want to show the seller what the uh, other agents are doing for home brochures in the marketplace. Now, some of them are going to have great ones, so you better make yours just as good, if not better. But for the most part, you're going to see, especially coming out of a, a seller's market for a long period of time, the most agents weren't doing home brochures at all. Or, or it'll you, just be the MLS printout. It'll be something garbagey. So you can show the seller that and then show them yours. Now, advanced coaching for those of you who are in EXP Royalty. And yes, Julie and I are uh, proudly associated with EXP Royalty, one of the smartest business decisions we ever made. And yes, if you're interested in joining EXP Royalty, Julie and I would love to be your sponsors, just text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206, um, or you can go to the link below and click and learn more about our EXP Realty group. But those of you who are in EXP Realty now, EXP has an amazing marketing uh, department that has all kinds of different brochures, all kinds of different templates, all kinds of different you know, website brochures, beautiful, very professional. And EXP Luxury, if you're dealing with higher end property, obviously has a lot of stuff that's specifically marketed and geared towards higher end real estate. So definitely leverage what EXP has to offer. For those of you not in EXP, Julie and I strongly encourage you to consider it. Um, the link to learn more about our EXP Realty group is below. Or if you're ready to land the plane and you're ready to join, you're just looking for a sponsor that will be incredibly pro active in your success at EXP Realty, please do consider texting me directly at 512-758-0206. All right. Point number seven in actually getting the house sold quickly from the most money is preview the competition the day before, a couple days before you launch your new listing. Make sure your pricing is still accurate and you know what the potential buyer for your listing is also considering. Your price has to make sense versus the competition. In some cases, you may want to take your seller client along for these showings so that you're all on the same page regarding pricing. 
Now, are there other listings or new construction actually offering seller incentives like buying down interest rates or contributing to buyer closing costs? You may need to meet or beat them depending on what you're up against or possibly and or possibly adjust your price. Now, the rest of the points Julie is laying out for you are actually, and I remember again, when we go on listing appointments, when you're really enthusiastic and, and motivated to take a listing, you lose your objectivity like the second you walk in. <laughs> sure. You could have done the world's best CMA on the house and have it just like, oh, I know this is priced perfectly. And then you walk in and it just clicks. You like the seller. The, there's maybe a couple things that you didn't anticipate being as nice as they were with regards to the house. And all of a sudden you're overpriced the house. It's easy to do. Oh, and what you're really doing is you're not seeing it objectively. You're not seeing it through the buyer's eyes. So again, you will change that approach as you become more experienced because then you'll realize little things that you're letting get by you because you didn't ask the seller to fix those little things are the very reasons that the potential buyer doesn't want to purchase the house. And before you get to your next point, sure. I'm going to share with you guys a, a true story. And I'll never forget this. Because it really did, it was a great, it's our first year in business and this was a great education for me. I was working with these buyers, it was a husband and a wife, um, and oddly enough, they always sat together in the back of the seat like I was the limo driver, but that aside. <laughs> That's funny. So every time we'd walk into, um, they originally started out saying, we would just want to resell house, we don't want new construction, and you all know what they ended up buying, new construction, right? But I'd, I'd open the door and the you know to the house, and the first thing that she would do and these were occupied homes, listeners. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Is she'd beeline to the refrigerator and she'd look at their refrigerator. And I didn't say anything. I just figured, you know, poor gal's hungry. Maybe I should take her to Starbucks or <laughs> right. something. Right. So anyway, we just, you know, this happened. I ended up showing them probably, I don't know, maybe six or 10 houses. I don't remember. A new agent. I was just learning how to sell houses. Right. So anyway, uh, every single time. That's what she would do. And eventually I asked her, actually, she found a house they wanted to buy. The road, uh, everything was, you know, they signed, sealed and delivered, wrote an offer on it, went on contract. And I remember asking her and she said, because uh, I didn't have the courage to ask her why she's looking in the, everyone's refrigerator. And she didn't tell me, remember, she said it's because I think it was her grandma that told her, mm -hmm. just look to see how people take care of their refrigerators because that'll give you an indication yep. of how they actually take care of the rest of the home. And if the place that they put their food is you know a rat's warren then chances are they haven't been taking care of the furnace the plumbing the all the other things That's that reasonable. you're going to get stuck with mm -hmm. um you know with a bunch of deferred maintenance so yeah there it is it's a fun story to share with your sellers so you might want to you know use that story for your own use and tell the sellers to look for the smallest of the little things and start with the refrigerator and point number eight julie remove scuffs and smudges yes that was great coaching actually because you without knowing it you also laid on them the the technique of using a story about someone else to make your point about them. Okay. Didn't want that to slide. All right. Number eight, remove scuffs and smudges from the walls and painted railings in the home. Use a Mr. Clean magic eraser sponge to get rid of shoe marks and other minor things. If that doesn't spruce it up, painting might be in order, but sometimes just doing the, the Mr. Clean magic eraser will save you from having to paint. And again, if the house has a lot of, let's just say, uh, disagreeable wallpaper and yes. things like that, nobody likes anyone else's wallpaper. I don't know if you've ever In noticed the history that. Of wallpaper. No, no one likes it. I mean, you could have the coolest wallpaper on the wall ever and no one else is going to like it but you. It's just personal. It is. It's yeah. too personal for a lot of people. So that's kind of a strange, weird thing. But yeah, if there's wallpaper that's outdated, walls that needed painted, all the rest of it, and you don't want to tell the seller because you're worried that maybe the seller will be offended. By the way, a lot of them will be. That's the time to bring in stager. that stager. Exactly. Well put. All right. Number nine, review the exterior home, including the backyard, porches, decks, side yard, fences. 
repair anything that will come out in an inspection and just like that do in the front, just like you did in the front, make it more inviting. Think about kids and pets and summertime activities. Does the back or side yard look inviting or does it look sketchy? So that's gonna make a big difference. And home inspectors do go in the backyards as well. You can add trees or other screening if the house has questionable views. This could kill the deal even if the potential buyer loves the home. So anticipate objections and mitigate them before they cause the home to sit or need price reductions. There's almost no such thing as too many trees. I would agree with that. Right? So more landscaping is always the move to make. Um, and just, you know, there's a psychological appeal to it, no doubt. Yeah, especially, you know, a lot of buyers say they want a private backyard. And if you look out and it's boxed in by everybody else's yards and pools and kids stuff, they're not going to get that cozy feeling. Oh, you triggered me to coach them. So I'm sorry, you got <laughs> it going. So okay. when you're pre-qualifying, this is totally off, uh, you know, the beaten path of Julie's final point. But one of the things we teach you in Premier Coaching, when you are pre-qualifying the buyer and you're asking them all the questions and you come across a buyer that says they want to have a certain size lot. Maybe it's, you know, it's usually like, I want an acre. I want five acres. I want mm -hmm. now. And in, you'll find in most cases, they've never had a lot of land before. So they don't really know what they're asking for. They're just sick of one thing. And that one thing is, is their neighbors. That's mm -hmm. really why they're moving. They don't, they want to have privacy. So here's what you say when you hear that. Cause you will hear that a lot. Yeah. You say this, Mr. Mr. Buyer, listen, I appreciate that. And I hear that a lot. A lot, of, you know, obviously privacy is really important. You've had a long day. You want to come home and sit on your deck or your backyard. You want to chill. So does the site, what matters more to you? If I find you a property that has a really private lot that has like really nice trees where your neighbors aren't all on top of you, you don't hear what's going on next door, three doors down. Is that, well, have that, does that have the same positive effect that say, for example, having five acres uh, has? Because I have to say, most people that say they want acreage, really what they want is privacy, unless you're going to raise like, you know, mini donkeys or horses or well, sure. And don't forget, cows. you know, mowing five acres isn't free either. And they're not taking into consideration the fact that every single weekend, their new hobby is going to be taking care of the five acres. So I'm just asking you, Mr. Seller, would you consider uh, properties with smaller lots, but were very private? And this listen with, I'm sorry, Mr. Buyer, and see what they have to say. Very well put. Great coaching. Okay, so number 10, make sure your description in the MLS and all sites is compelling and makes an agent or a buyer be dying to see your listing. They'll see it first or next. Now, here's something that drives me crazy. This language that means nothing. Open and airy floor plan or neutral decor. That just sounds boring, right? I mean, that's good. That's better than droves and droves of wallpaper. But this is a very common thing that agents say, open an airy floor plan. Well, if you get stuck on this, ask ChatGPT for help on your descriptions. Of course, you have to prompt it to have something to work with. But you can also borrow language from other sources that are more descriptive than you might be until you get the hang of it. Would you want to show it based on your description? And this comes in different flavors. One of those is no description because the agent was just being lazy. It could be something that makes me not want to see it like, on the bus line, like that's the only thing you can say about it. I'm not dying to see it, right? Or a lot of language that doesn't really describe anything and just sounds very plain vanilla. Well, so one of the, we've had coaching clients that have been using chat GPT, you know, for, since day one when it came out to write their home descriptions. So you need to use how to learn how to use prompts. And one of the, essentially what a prompt is, is if you're asking the, you know, chat GPT to write a description, a home description for you, you're going to have to give them the bullets. You're going to have to say, you know, the bedrooms, the bathrooms, the neighborhood, the, you 
know, description of the neighborhood, the attributes and things like that for it to do any kind of decent job writing. Right. But I also make another suggestion. I had a coaching client do this and it really does work. Have chat, uh, give chat GPT a permission to write it whimsically or write it with a little bit of a, what's the word? Uh, a twist. Yeah. A twist. Make it so that if people will enjoy reading it and it'll be something that you can maybe make one of your signature things. Yeah. That's a great idea. I love it, that. That you'll have sellers that will start like, you know, I really love this great description, how you wrote it, how you made it really enjoyable Turn to read. Turn it into a poem. That would be hilarious. Something like that. You guys get it? And then what will happen is you will have that as a little something to differentiate yourself when you go mm-hmm. on listing appointments. It might even get you, you know, seller calls. We did have that. Julie and I have had many, many coaching clients mm-hmm. in our own experience where we would write these great descriptions. Julie would write them. And then we would have other neighbors when they put their houses for sale would uh, hire us. And they wouldn't hire us just because of the flowery description, but because we made the effort to write a really good description. This is what it really comes down to. If you guys think I need to differentiate myself because they have a superior brand because I've got a billion people on TikTok and a billion people on Instagram that are following me. The way you actually differentiate yourself is A, by getting the listing and getting it sold. B, making that seller super happy because you sold it for the least, uh, for the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of hassle, right? And then you've shown, you've seeded the seller with all these little points of differentiation like the one we just described mm-hmm. because your na- the neighbors and the future prospective sellers, they're all na- paying attention to what you did too. It's these tiny little differences that are almost, you know, obviously we're going to teach you how to present all these points, but are almost too frequent and almost like little Easter eggs that are all embedded, are all going to become part of your listing process that will make it so that you truly are unique in the marketplace. This, this is the groundwork that you need to have in place for you to become a very powerful listing agent, especially as we enter into what we believe is going to be an amazing long-term Uh, I won't call it real estate boom, but I will say one of the best real estate markets in the history of the world or any other world (laughs) is what it feels (laughs) like. That's a tiny statement. Well, I mean. (laughs) But I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, imagine that you show up on time or you're early. You have sent a really killer pre-listing package. You've answered their questions. You pre-qualified them. You called them back right away when they reached out to you or you reached out to them in the first place. You took a professional approach. You asked questions. You took your shoes off in the foyer. You did the, the shoe cover basket. You know, you showed them how to save money. They thought they had to paint the whole house, but you came with a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. You did all of these things. You previewed the competition before you gave the final price. You have all of these things you know, they're going to love you forever and they're going to send you lots of repeat and referral business. Imagine competing with an agent that's, uh, you know, that's deploying even 10% of what we shared with you today, right? Because this is maybe 3% of what we teach you as a premier coaching client. But imagine competing with an agent that had, you know, let's just say all these 10 points, right? Nailed, right? They were doing every single one of these things. How are you, like, what are you going to do to make it so that you stand out more to an agent that spent this much time really perfecting the art and science of being a powerful listing agent. And please don't make that overprice the home and under commission because that's what agents that don't have a lot of skill are stuck with doing if they even get the appointment in the first place. So some of these things you're going to say, oh, well, the last three listings I had sold in 22 seconds, I didn't have to do any of that. Well, that's great as long as that lasts until the fourth one doesn't and you wonder what in the world's going on. And that seller, and I have something else that I wanted to add to this, and I think you'll agree with this. It's the sellers who are the most motivated who are most sensitive to this. A hundred percent. And they're the ones that will fire you on the second weekend if you haven't shown that you're on top of things. But you know where, where this really works? Mm-hmm. Where this is just like a Mike Tyson in his glory days, one punch, <laughs> you know, you're out type move. Expired listings. Oh, for sure. This with expired listings yeah. is absolutely 
Uh, it's killer. It's killer. Because they I, probably didn't have any of this. They didn't. And they're going to, essentially, they're going to say, why? Pre-, they might not say it, but they're going to think to themselves, previous listing agent didn't do that. Didn't you do know, that. Lazy Bob didn't do that. Lazy and you know, Bob. a for sale by owner is going to go, huh, I never thought about doing right. that. This is how you show value. This is how you make yourself different. It's not you in a pretty picture of your golden retriever as you're having, you know, pizza for lunch on Instagram. The thing that makes you different is the fact that you actually are different, not pretending to be different. The thing that makes you the obvious choice for the prospective sellers makes you the best choice for the prospective seller isn't because you fooled them into thinking you're the best uh, choice for them because of all your branding and marketing. It's because you actually have earned the right to be the best choice. Uh, you know, I, I remember you and I were at an event in Hawaii mm-hmm. and we were in front of a room. I don't remember how many agents it was. And this really nice guy who I still, he and I keep in contact on Instagram. He was a former FBI agent. who got a real estate yep. license. Yep. He then, he stood up and he asked the question. He said, you know, I went on this listing appointment. Now he wasn't a coaching client. So he didn't, he had the company's canned listing, a pre-listing pack and the company's canned listing presentation. In other words, nothing about it was really special or unique. It was just about, you know, it was very generic. And, and I could tell he was a little emotionally distraught, but you know, I'm a real estate coach. I'm not there to, you know, I'm there to tell them the truth and we are getting paid no matter what. So, you know, you I'm go. not going to hold back. Right. So he said, well, why didn't I take the listing? And I said, because in the seller's eyes, the other agent was a better choice yes. because you didn't earn the right in that seller's eyes to be their listing agent. It's that simple. And then we talked about it in front of the group and we talked about it. He, he said, well, our marketing and plan, our marketing and branding here at XYZ Real Estate Brokerage was better than what they had to offer. Well, that may be something you think is important to the seller, but to the seller, whatever your competing agent was offering was more important than your kick-ass marketing and branding. And I actually I remember another meeting we were at. It was in Manhattan, and this lady, similar question. She was sitting in the front row because I remember the stink eye she gave me after <laughs> I gave her the answer. I remember this too. Um, and she said to me, she, "We were talking about marketing and branding, marketing property, marketing property." And then she's, you know, all that, that's all she wanted to talk about was brochures and pictures and all the rest of it. I said, so let me ask you a question. Uh, would a really, really great marketed house, you have the Goodyear blimp flying over the house. You have the best of everything, the best brochures, the best everything, but it's overpriced. Is all your marketing and branding in the world going to get that property sold if it's overpriced? It obviously has competition. Will will the buyer walk in and go, holy crap, look at the brochure. I know it's overpriced by 20%, but I don't give a damn. Look at the brochure. No, right? Then I asked her the question. I was much nicer, believe it or not. I asked her the secondary question. If the house is priced at market price and you just have average or, you know, let's just say strictly average marketing, will that house sell? And she said, well, yes, of course. I said, well, if the house is even priced a little bit below what the buyer's expectations is, what do you have then? She said, you have competing offers. So I said, why are you focusing so much on the marketing and branding. And she said, well, because it's included at our brokerage and it's something that we get for free and it's something that we're told every seller wants. Well, what every seller wants is they want their house sold for the most amount of money, for the shortest period of time, with the least amount of hassle. That's what your job is to deliver to them. And and then she was essentially, and she was very cooperative with opening her mind to it, was the fact that she didn't have the skill set to know how to deliver on getting the house positioned correctly. She didn't know how to talk to the seller about a price or condition or location. She didn't have any skills, basically. She was very a low-skilled agent who was getting most of her business from centers of influence and past clients. And, you know, as the market starts to change, you will, those of you who are centers of influence and past clients uh, based, you will still get those call-outs. But guess what? Now you're competing against agents right. who have skills and you'll stop 
you won't just get those listings automatically. The sellers are going to start becoming very particular who they list with. That is the nature of a market like this. See that as an enormous opportunity. Get your game on. Join Premier Coaching. Go to premiercoaching.com. So listen, guys, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. It's truly our pleasure and our honor. Um, your next natural step is for all of you. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? To join Premier Coaching. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.